Clay, I don't mean to be blue right out of the gate here, but let's find that patron who told us about the Romulans, string them right up by the balls. I'm, I'm assuming this is a male person who's not a male man, but not, uh, not a male lady, but a, a male. <laughs> not a postal worker. <laughs> not a postal worker. Although they brought the news, well, apparently. Yeah, they b- delivered some bad news and just ruined the episode completely. <laughs> Fuck how, my wife. How was I supposed to objectively watch this when i knew the whole time that the final 15 seconds were going to reveal some forehead bumps 15 seconds 15 frames 15 frames yeah. packed yes. packed with packed with meaning all right so here's here's a good thing i only learned this from memory alpha do you realize that the romulan is a character we'd seen in the episode before that oh no i would not wait is it the guy the the desk clerk that he sends off to to kill whoever? No, it's the guard who says that he served with T'Pol. That's that's that guy. The guard who said he the, served with there's, T'Pol. There's the guard who captures T'Pol, and she's like, he's she's like, he's like, what happened to you? I remember oh, we served sure. during the Tomed incident. It's that yeah. guy. He's the Romulan at the end, which I would not have picked up on in a million years, except for Memory Alpha points that out. It was a it, this is like a weird production note. The um, it was intended originally to be a all new character, an original character, but they did not have the budget, so they just made a character who had previously been in the episode. They didn't have to pay the actor, basically, so they just cast him as the Romulan at the end. Makes no difference and is sure. a weird thing, but I I was curious if you would would have caught up on that because I was I was sort of flabbergasted. I was like, I I don't even know if they tried to make that point that that's a guy is that you would this- recognize. Is it the same character or is it just the same actor? Because I same feel character. like there's a, it, re- it he, really is supposed to be the same character. The character has the same name as both of those characters. Oh, okay. Because I could see, I could see them just saying, "F, he's he's the same actor." Put some bumps on his forehead. No one's going to give a shit. Yeah. Well, they won't be able to tell. Um, but if it's literally the same character, uh, sure. I mean, I did I did assume knowing. What I knew going in, uh, when those guys showed up, those two guards showed up to beat up uh, Archer and DePaul and uh, to pow. Um, <laughs> giving very little dressed. to pow, actually. Yeah, needs a, needs they, a little more Batman uh, animated logos over things. To pow, to pow. They uh, uh, they were dressed differently, and I was like, oh, they. Those they kind of feel like they're dressed like Romulans now, mm-hmm. but there's the Romulans. Uh, I knew they were coming. Yeah, it's the same guy. Yeah, his, name I w- is, I would not, his name is Taylock, I guess, or Talek or Taylock. something like that. Taylock, yeah. Just, just, Dolene Taylock. <laughs> I don't know. Let's get let's let's get into it. We're going to be talking about where to go. Oh, I, I I switched the screen because I had to look up Taylock, but it's the same guy. We're going to be talking about Kershara. It's the ninth episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Enterprise. Came out on December 3rd, 2004, an early Christmas present for all Star Trek fans. Arc is three of three in the Cyrenites arc, seven of seven in the Vulcan versus Andoria arc, written by Michael Sussman, directed by David so does Livingston. That, does that mean it's the last time we're going to see Shran? No, he comes back, but it's okay. not against the Vulcans. Uh, this see. is the last okay. hostilities between the two of those two. Uh, directed by David Livingston in universe, in universe date is not known, but specifically, but it's 2154. In this episode, Kershara, Archer, and T'Pol endeavor to expose to an ancient Vulcan artifact to Vulcan society, while the Enterprise becomes involved in a standoff between Vulcan and Endorian fleets. 
It's the end of the Cyrenite arc. We've had three lovely episodes on Sunny Vulcan. We got our tans developed. We found some totems. We met some Vulcans. We met different sects of Vulcans who I'm not really even still sure what the difference between any of the sects are, but we did meet a bunch of different people. What'd you think of the conclusion to this arc, Kirshara? Um, I thought it was about as note cardy of a wrap up as you could get. And what I mean mm. by that is it just kind of felt like they were just closing, tying things off. Like it, they, I didn't find anything surprising about it. Um, everything kind of ended the way you thought it was going to end. Uh, or at least I, way I kind of like. There, I didn't find anything. You called Paul's marriage falling apart. You, you, you oh, yeah. predicted that yeah. Yeah. big time. <laughs> yeah, it just it just felt like it was it was just sort of a a, a, a box ticking story. Um, yeah, that's it was it was fine. Yeah, I um, I was I was pretty underwhelmed by this trilogy of episodes. I think I prefer yeah. the augments one, even though like this is maybe like slightly better across the board is like a batting average type thing. Like this is maybe a mm-hmm. better production than the augments one because the augments one has some like really goofy moments and some real problems. But I thought the augments one at least tried to do. It didn't always flesh it out or really fulfill a lot of the stuff it was bringing up, but I thought that the ideas in the augments were more interesting than what was going yeah. on here. I don't think there's yeah, really any ideas in this Vulcan trilogy. No, there, there's nothing no. that's like. I I still I got to the end of it and I, I'm still of the opinion if you made this Vulcan episode, if you took all the Vulcans in this and made it some new alien race we'd never met before, outside of them constantly mentioning logic and Surak. I don't think there's anything here that I go, yeah, this is Vulcan culture. Like this, this right. feels right yeah. to me. I just, I continue to be on this horse of, I don't think this you mean, is right. You mean it didn't feel like Vulcan culture when T'Pol was like, we need to get a doctor. And then T'Pol was like, we don't need a doctor. We need a priest. <laughs> that was that- bad. I didn't like the dramatic close-ups of the guy at the end when he was like, tell them to fire. And he's like, people Vulcans are screaming and yelling and shit. And it's like, what What the hell is going on? Um, so let's stick on this for a minute. Um, I was reading, uh, because I'm very confused about what to think about this, because people generally like this arc. And I was reading reviews. Jammer likes this thing. I was reading Darren Mooney's review. Uh, and Darren, to me, it argues against a thing that I think is kind of a, a straw man, or it's it's at least not the argument that I would make here, which is that he's argue he, he would argue that the Vulcans in Enterprise, and specifically this episode, are in line with how Vulcans have been portrayed as jerks in previous series, which I would agree with. I think that Vulcans mm, generally, yeah. outside of Spock, are portrayed as holier than thou, and if they're not holier than thou. Their, their logical, rational attitudes rubs people the wrong way because they don't spare feelings when they talk in other series. Like they, they will state the truth or they will state what they think is going on to people because they are, as a species, not concerned with the emotional aspect of things. They just tell you the information. And they would I be, would agree they'd with They'd be a lot more popular. They'd be a lot more popular if they ended every statement with, I'm just telling it like it is. Because if you <laughs> say that, it <laughs> doesn't matter what you say before that. <laughs> 
It's like <laughs> okay. saying, like, with all due respect, and then you tell somebody something awful about them. Sorox <laughs> hologram, the Kashara should have just said that in a in a like a rotating yeah, it's text. Just a, it's just a stand up bit from the seventies. <laughs> and that's why I'm just telling it like it is. So I'm just that's uh, that's why he's the greatest Vulcan who ever lived. I think it's a little <laughs> bit of I'm sure there are some Star Trek fans who are arguing that point that they kind of don't like the the angriness of the Vulcans. I mm-hmm. actually don't I don't have that opinion. So if anyone thinks that my argument is that the Vulcans are angry or that the Vulcans are jerks and I don't like the fact that they're jerks, I would be totally fine with these guys just being jerks. I would totally be fine sure. with a Vulcan jerky attitude towards Earth, which is kind of hinted at initially that they are patronizing and they consider themselves superior and they're going to tell you to, what to do and be very condescending. That is not my problem with the Vulcan uh, Enterprise Vulcans at all. My problem with the Enterprise Vulcans is that they have been hinting this entire time that something is wrong with them as a culture. Mm -hmm. Like that there is something that they will eventually change to become the Vulcans that you know later on. And I don't know, like, do you get the sense that this is intentional or is this just bad casting and directing? Or is it that the Vulcans need to be somewhat emotional because it doesn't sell on TV to have them not be that way so consistently. That like if they're so prominent in a series, you kind of need to have them act emotionally just to give the yeah. scene something. I don't know what it is. I think that I think this is a terrible portrayal of Vulcans because it doesn't make sense with what I expect that culture to be. And them making playing them differently is never explained or justified narratively to the point where you go, okay, I understand why the show is doing this this way. Even if I don't like it, at least I can understand where the bones of the story are coming from. I was totally shocked that, as far as I can tell, this trilogy doesn't explain the mindset of the Vulcans at all in this series. It doesn't do anything to justify why they are the way that they are. No, I, you know, I kind of... I'm going to stick with what I have said up to this point, which is I don't know if the first three seasons of the show necessarily were playing the Vulcans as if they were intentionally different than the Vulcans that we know or traditionally. Mm-hmm. But these episodes definitely are retconning and course correcting for to make them more in line with the the Vulcans that that uh, everyone is more familiar with. Um, in, sorry, yeah, in what sense? That, in what sense? How are they? Do you mean by the the Cyrenite and Tapal? Do you mean just the logistics of having the Cyrenite religion that's supposed to be like more true to the the Vulcan ideology? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then they take over at the end, and like the last thing that she says to to Archer is basically like, "Well, we're going to try and do things differently from now on. Uh, hopefully." Hopefully it'll be all. Uh, we're gonna let you guys hang out, and we're gonna kind of do things the way we gotta do. Like it's the in, the intent seems that now that the Cyrenites are in, in in power, things are gonna change. Yeah, which I would say um, is the note cardy aspect of what you were talking about. But it, it's mm-hmm. it, th- what this arc more does is it connects this to the next series, which would be TOS. But it doesn't explain right. retroactively why the right. Enterprise Vulcans are the way that they are. Yeah, I I think. I think in I think this these three episodes they have gone out of their way to fix quote unquote these Vulcans, but in doing so they have not given any come up with any reason as to why they were the way they were. And I don't know if 
I don't know. I I wonder if doing that in in doing that you kind of have to admit that it was wrong or something or like it, it's it's kind of dismissive of the work that came before if you specifically point out what was quote unquote wrong with the Vulcan portrayal. Um so I yeah, it does it does seem like it's a little bit of a half measure where they're course correcting but they're also not making a stand as to whether or not or how the Enterprise Vulcans have been wrong. Yeah. I I would just love, I haven't had a a good argument for someone who defends the portrayal here. And maybe there aren't a lot of people who defend the portrayal of the Vulcans, but I, I certainly don't hear it as a negative of the series of the series, but I think it's, if you like, once you're aware of it and you watch this episode, every scene where a Vulcan talks, I'm sitting there going like, why don't they tell this guy to reel it in a little bit? Like this is not what these these guys are supposed to be. It's and it's again, it's a well, problem. This, this episode's difficult because you've got one of them is in a fucking brain melting chair for half the episode. So he's sure. gonna, that's he's fine. Specifically, is they say targeting the suppression gland or something. Yes, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't it's, really it's understand okay the for mechanics. Him to <laughs> yeah, it's o- it's okay for him to have a freak out because they're they're targeting his suppression matrix or whatever. Yep. Um, you know, you've got T'Pol having a slight freak out in the cave, but she's got her own fucking problems. Come, she's probably still strung out from her uh, her rock snorting. Yeah. Um, and then her AIDS got cured got, this episode too. Is a no- another yes, that's note true. Card. Yeah, yeah. Another another great um, retcon is that the Vulcan mind meld disease is just because she was doing it with someone who was bad at it <laughs> you only get you only get hiv if you have sex with someone bad at sex that's the way it works well you know i mean <laughs> not a oh uh, honestly they didn't even need to do that i've completely forgotten no, about that i yeah, completely forgot that remember? she had some yeah. mental disease so and you know you've got the the leader of the the high council who's a romulan so he's fine is he though top is he a Romulan? That's that's a good point. He might not be a Romulan. He I don't might think just he is. be working with the Romulans because he didn't do a dramatic forehead rub. It rubs the, the makeup the under his makeup. <laughs> um, and but the other guy, the other guy who is not, as far as we know, a Romulan and is just a regular Vulcan, is as equally as the other emotional counselor? and the other the other, the other like, council guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The background actors are great because they don't say anything. They don't so say they anything. Just they just stand, stand there, there with the the fascinating look on their face. <laughs> but the the one other guy that they paid to talk is is kind of like at the same level as uh the what's his name? The Robert name? Foxworth or something, I think. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. They they're kind of almost on the same level and it's and if you're if you're going by this um metric of of how Vulcan should act, there is really no excuse for him to be as over the top as he is. Um well, but that being the, said, it is still in line kind of with how they've been played up to this point. So Right. The 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 problem I think is that the difference between the Cyrenites and the high command Vulcans is not shown to be a it, it's literally what we talked about before with the um the schism in Islam between the Sunni and the Shia is based on like a, an understanding of what the relationship to the next heir of Muhammad is supposed to be. Sure. And sure. here it's not, they don't have different outcomes or different 
outlooks on logic. They don't have a like difference of opinion right. about what Surak was talking about. Yeah. They never talk about that. The only difference seems to be that the high command Vulcans want to bomb Andoria and the Cyrenites are peaceful people. And that seems to be the well, main... Well, it's a metaphor, man. Uh, it's, Allegory it's, for, for real life. What's happening in the news? <laughs> ripped from the headlines and rocketed 200 years into the future. <laughs> into the future. It's, history is cyclical. I... I I don't I don't think we'll have too many other options to, or chances to talk about it. I imagine, but I really have to stress how I hate the Vulcan portrayal here. And it's again, it's not yeah, yeah. it's not just that they're emotional and that I can't handle them being different or something. They're different in a way that completely contradicts the species to this point that we've known, and it also serves no narrative purpose. They're just angry. Yeah. And the, the final point about it is that to this point in the fourth season, no human character has ever said to any Vulcan character, why are you getting so upset? They get upset all the time. And every human always just says, well, these Vulcans in their cold, heartless logic about things. But they're constantly getting upset with them. They're constantly raising their voice, getting frustrated, talking to Archer like he's an idiot. And like Archer can get the best of them emotionally because he can piss them off. Makes yeah. no sense. It should be the inverse. Archer gets more and more pissed off because they don't get upset when he's talking to them. That's the only way to play these guys. That's the only way that makes sense. And they just yeah. didn't they didn't do anything with it. It's really frustrating. Well, I think part of the box ticking nature of this episode and ultimately the whole arc is is the fact like the first two episodes I kind of gave a little bit of leeway and I don't know if it stood out as much as it did in this one. Because they were kind of setting stuff up so much and they were like, you know, introducing this group and and all these other esoteric Vulcan things like, okay, there's something they're doing here. Let's see where it goes. But by the time you get to this one, this is you're into the third hour of this story, which is about these two uh, disagreeing groups of Vulcans who theoretically are not warring with each other but have like a a fundamental disagreement that is is detrimental to yeah the the people and they like you said they don't talk about it at all and so since the 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 core of what you could what there would have been to do in these episodes they never do what you're left with is just checking off boxes getting to the point at the end where everything's back to normal so you get seen instead of having scenes where there's some actual ideas flying around you get a scene where to paul and, and to power like man archer sure did a great thing huh like, yep <laughs> but it's too bad it's hurting his brain what are we gonna do well we gotta get him a priest Get that thing out of his brain. Yep, we got to do that. We got to get the the spiky thing to the room because once we get the spiky thing to the room, then the people will know. And they'll it's know. Like, what the fuck is going? On? Yeah, they'll know. Cool, great, awesome, <laughs> fantastic. I'm I'm happy you found the spiky thing. Like, what's what's the point of all this other than just get the spiky thing to the room? Right. They don't, they oh, don't even explain the what the spiky thing says. The spiky thing is just a totem that the Vulcans. Yeah. A logical society treat with deeply religious reverence, even though it has not. There's they don't learn anything from it. They read the words, I guess, but it doesn't like. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's basically it's basically one of those like things that kids have that just 
put stars on the ceiling and spin around while you're sleeping. One of yes. those planetarium things you can get. Yeah. Because that's all it was. It was just a bunch of green. I mean, they're looking at it going, oh, it's the word of Ciroc. It's like, yeah. sure, whatever the fuck that means. Who cares? Yeah. You know, but it's like, like, who gives a shit? Yeah. No, th- this is all just just business, MacGuffin business, like with every one of these plot lines. Well, we got to get to Andoria before the Vulcans get there because the, the, the <laughs> they think the Andorians secretly built a bunch of Zindi lasers. And here's a video of them blowing up a, a moon. Okay, I guess I guess we got to stop that. We just spent an entire season stopping that, so I guess we should probably stop that again. Yeah, and it, you know it's just it's all just business. There's nothing to any of it. It's just business for the sake of business. And it's like that's why I think the the um the nine eleven references feel so fraught is because yeah. they're not in service of anything. It's just, isn't this like the news, kind of? Makes you think, doesn't it? And yeah. like, no, it doesn't make... <laughs> all it makes me think is you couldn't come up with anything original. You've got these two, like these really interesting concepts of bunch of Vulcans who are hyper into logic, bunch of Vulcans who are into that, but not quite as much. And there's a power dynamic at play here. And maybe we should have a discussion as to why one of them may or may not be right. And who knows whether or not we even come up with an answer to that. But they don't do any of that. There's none of that whatsoever. There's like, even when they bring T'Pol to the control, the high council, which the high council room looks exactly like Emperor Palpatine's room yep. in the uh, the prequel trilogy yep. in uh, episode three. It's, it's like the exact room. same room. Yeah. <laughs> it's even got that one window that Mace window gets blown out of. <laughs> it's the exact same set. Um, but even when like Tipal gets brought there, there's no real like discussion about anything. Again, it's just like the spiky thing is a myth. We can't trust anyone who says they've got the... Sp- he's got the spiky thing, and he's got their prophet in his brain. What is this? Yeah. What is this? <laughs> A fairy tale? We don't believe in fairy what's go- tales What's going here. on? She's a Serenite. To you Paul- want me to turn around the entire fleet because he says he has the spiky thing, <laughs> which is a... Everyone knows it's a legend. Who would walk down that hallway for long enough to find that thing? <laughs> Not this guy. I think what... Do you know how many turns there are in that hallway? <laughs> you can't see around a single corner. You could whack your head. No one would dare. I'm being told he brought a torch that completely shot our plans <laughs> in the foot. I think that... um, to highlight I your- dropped my keys down there once and I couldn't drive my car for three weeks. <laughs> you know how hard it is to get a replacement set of keys on Vulcan? <laughs> It's quite illogical. Do you, uh, Archer? Archer's fascinating. Get the second me. set. They said it's the logical decision, but what was logical to me was saving fifty dollars. That's the Serenite um, disagreement there about whether or not insurance is logical. Um, Archer's interesting here because I think Archer's role is fascinating. Once you get to the end of this, and you were saying that uh, no one has anything to really talk about. Archer's function across three episodes is to carry something. He carries yeah. the spirit of Sirach, yes. and then he carries the pointy yep. thing at the very end. Yep. And well, they also, he carries two things in the last one. What does he carry? In the, what's the, uh, well, you mean Sirach at the he same time? He carries at the same time. Yes. That's, it's very a lot difficult. of heavy lifting. Yeah. It's, but 
The most interesting scene, I think, with Archer happens in this one where he talks about he feels more centered since he had the mind meld and that he starts doing it. He's, yeah. I, they're trying to cram an awful lot here into that this is Archer coming to terms with the Vulcans in some way. Like this mind meld has opened his eyes to what the the, the positives of Vulcan culture are in some ways. Mm-hmm. None of the rest of the 180 minutes has anything to say about this, but he just off the cuff because of this mind meld has this epiphany. But are the main central character of the show carries things for three episodes. He has yeah. no agency. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't question the Sirenites. He doesn't question the high command. Doesn't really question to Paul. He's just a mellow dude carrying the spiky thing to the end of the goal line. And then he's going to spike it when he gets there. And it's like the show just really doesn't. The, my concern, we talked about this a couple episodes ago and now that we're starting to have comments on past episodes that have aired on youtube and like people are kind of filling in their thoughts and we're ahead recording wise there is like i'm extremely concerned that this season is highly regarded because it's the fan service season that they sure they just connect dots to things and it's like I gotta find was going, out what you got to see the Wookiees home planet, baby, before we get out of this bit, get out of this one. The way people were talking about it, I was just expecting to come in and this was going to be a great advance in Enterprise's storytelling where they actually tied mm-hmm. into previous stuff and they had things to say. The show, in my opinion, continues to not have anything to say, but it's definitely trying to connect canon dots between things, which to me yeah. is just not interesting. It's like you can do this as you can do this fantastically and I'd still be like, all right, that's cool. I guess the spiky thing yeah. matters later on, you know? Well, you know, I think what's interesting to me is I I do find the episodes of this season generally more I I I under I think I understand it. I think I understand why that's the view because when they're doing these multiple episode arcs you've got three episodes that are even if it's not the thing we want them to be driving towards is driving towards something right traditionally these single episodes never quite really get off the ground in that like very rarely do you get two episodes back to back where it's like oh okay they did something cool there they really kind of got to the point um but with these three episode arcs the into the fourth season this show trucks along pretty well like i don't think that there's anything inherently wrong yeah or bad about the production of this show it looks pretty good. I think the all the actors are good. Um, you get to the end of, if anything, I think you might be it might be getting a little infected by modern TV at this point, where you're kind of getting to the end of these episodes, going like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting. See where this goes." Right, and Just you kind of forget that. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of forget that a lot of the stuff that got you there is 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 just sort of like business. Mm-hmm. So if you've got these three episodes in a row that can get you into what's going to happen next i think that's more effective and and that is going to stand out more than the traditional episodes where it's like yeah this time it's the wild west yeah you know and so and i and i and i do think honestly i think in may i could just be saying this because i we are in the middle of season four but like I find season four already more memorable than the other ones. I yes, think probably because yeah. there are there are fewer stories. <laughs> so there's like <laughs> and we've only had know, two season so four. Far, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but still, it's yeah. We're, we're what 
eight, nine yeah, episodes, nine episodes in, in or something. And it's like so far we've done the Vulcan story, the uh, uh, soon the the augments. augments story, and uh, the man in the high castle story. That's it. We've done yep. three stories. And so if you look back and you and you think about season four so far, you go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, those truck along pretty good. Like there's no not a lot of dead time. They're kind of moving. I remember those stories. Oh, the Vulcan story, that's pretty good because in your brain you're kind of condensing it down yeah. and kind of forgetting about <laughs> some of the stupid shit. Yes. Um, f- such as my favorite scene, which might be might be lazier or, or more like con- contrived than the hallway scene, which is uh, – uh, Tapau and uh, Archer coming over the crest to see the Vulcan city, and Tapau's like, "I don't know how we're ever going to get into that council room." And then Archer's like, "I think I have an idea." And then a scene later, they just show up at the front door in yeah. cloaks. <laughs> <laughs> They just he, got in a couple of robes and walked right in. <laughs> no, he called um he called Koss, which I think makes less sense to me. He called to Paul's Who's husband. Who's Koss? He called to Paul's husband. Oh, is that what he did? That's what he did. Oh, yeah. oh, I didn't even. I must have missed the, the, the Koss, drop of that. But even still, even still, like it, I think it makes less he, okay, sense. Okay, he how he how did he contact of, him? How did he how did he get in touch with him? Like great what, question, what? <laughs> great question. I would be more. They found some robes in the trash and just walked through. I'd be like, okay, yeah. well, that's whatever. But they, they found this guy, got him to give them the codes. Then they beamed in. And then Koss is like, now I'm going to get a divorce. <laughs> this is all this is all downhill for me. <laughs> Koss, this is uh, Jonathan Archer. Do you have uh, two human-sized quilts we could borrow real quick? <laughs> Don't ask what this is about. We're just saving your society, Koss. <laughs> I've got the spiky thing here. Yes, that, yep, that one. I know. Not a, not a legend. It's real. And we just got to get in there. And uh, if you got two cloaks, we could borrow and just walk right up to the front door. That would be excellent. Well, I've been trashing the Vulcans. I actually think the actor who plays Koss is fairly good at being a Vulcan. Yeah, he's good. He's a good Vulcan. Yeah, yeah. he. I he like does that the scene correct, with him and Tabal at the end. Yeah, he he does the correct repressing acting. Like it's clear mm-hmm. that he feels something, but the actor is not. Goodbye, Tabal. <laughs> and the walks. You know, it's like right. there's a there's right. a there's a. He's trying to compose himself and does it as a Vulcan and then leaves, but you get the sense. And, you know, I don't, we haven't talked about it too much. I don't, I, I'm going to get to the end of the series a little bit unsure of what to Paul was supposed to be as a character. I don't know what they're trying to do with her. I don't know if this is an actress meeting writing problem that they're having, mm-hmm. but it seems that they're desperate to play to Paul as a Vulcan who has trouble being a Vulcan, right? But they don't yeah. really they don't really comment on it. Like beyond the fact that she just disbelieves everything, it, there's not her entire arc of this Kirshara Sirenai thing is she's the doubtful one who kind of weirdly, even though she doesn't like the high command, sides with the high command over the Sirenites for no reason because they don't know anything about the Sirenites and there's no reason to disagree with them about anything. But she disagrees. It's a myth. No one will believe a myth. Not in this culture where we are super logical, but also for some reason have priests that do everything. <laughs> she questions the Katra, questions the Kirshara, questions why Archer. Archer knows literally everything about Vulcan history to Paul still like, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced about any of this. She doesn't, she didn't believe in time travel. 
she, if Archer had just done some close-up card tricks, she would have been like, <laughs> Mind I believe now. <laughs> what do you think they were trying to do with T'Pol? What is T'Pol's character in this series? I Well, in the series, I think I think the stuff you're talking about, it's tough it's tough to make a comment on that stuff from day one till now because I don't think it, that was the intention. I think a lot of that stuff is late stage changes. Um, I think I think to Paul was 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 good for the first like two seasons or so. I th- I always liked her portrayal. I thought it was really interesting because they were kind of. She, I, I don't think that she ever really, it ever really felt like she was having a problem being a Vulcan. I think what they were having her do was basically be a Vulcan who is being exposed to this human culture. And how does that contrast and how does she change? But as we've said many times, instead of leaning into that and doing it in an interesting, like organic way, they just jettisoned that out the window got her hopped up, hopped up on on uh, emotion balls and now like everything she is pivots from there and the the this the thing you're talking about with her in these episodes i think is also kind of strange and unfortunate because what she's doing is essentially standing in for all of that stuff we're talking about they didn't do because instead of having these two sides actually have a like a, a debate or or show the difference between these two ideologies they don't get time to do that because they gotta sh- they have some ships they gotta send out to andoria and then trips gotta go and get them so what all they have left to do time wise is have to paul be like well i don't know if that's the right thing to do mm-hmm. and so and so she becomes the skeptical one instead of and takes the place of an opposing position. She doesn't have an opposing position. She's just skeptical yeah. of the Cyrenites. Yes. And so what you're left with is this weird, you know, half-assed Dana Scully type thing, which doesn't work because that's not her character. Like, that's not always been her character. She hasn't always been like the, I mean, sure, she was skeptical of time travel, but even if you want to <laughs> count that, that's like yeah. a late stage thing too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think in this, in this three, three episodes, unfortunately her role is to kind of limp, limp these ideas over the, over the, the, uh, um, finish line without actually saying anything about them. It's just that she's skeptical of them. She's the same as Archer. She has no drive in these episodes. They just have to walk from point A to point B. She just doesn't have, she doesn't have something physical to carry. So she has to just carry this sort of like silly objection to what's going on yeah. like and it's not even a, a strong enough objection to she never causes a problem for archer because of her objection right like in her in her drive to think that she's right and this is irrational and that she should do something she never causes a problem she just mildly complains really yeah the whole journey you know mm-hmm. she's like i don't I don't think this is the best thing to do, but I'll I'll follow you guys anyway down the hole. And th- that's been her experience for three episodes. It's um, it's just another case of not really having anything to say about those guys. So, well, I think what they did wrong, and I think it's actually kind of a simple fix. Obviously, twenty years on in retrospect, it's easy to say this, but I think I think they captured the wrong person. I think Tapao should have been captured because then what you've got is you've got Tapal 
and an, and an archer who's starting to lose his mind who has to make a decision about what she's going to do. Is she going to try and shuffle this spiky thing over the, the goal line to the council and convince them that this is the right way to go? Or is she going to remain skeptical and be like, well, I just got to get Archer out of here so we can save his life. Yeah. So now you've got her in a position where she has to make a decision. And this skeptical stuff that you've been laying on her actually has meaning because now she has to kind of weigh all those things. And also on the other other side of the coin, now you've got Tapau in the uh, council chamber with the, with the, the other ch- council guys, which opens you up to a conversation finally yeah. about what the opposing viewpoint is. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's yeah. like, well, okay, do I, do I, as to Paul, do I go and do I save to Pow? Do I believe the stuff that they, that she was saying? My, my, my mother believed it. Do I believe this? What do I actually believe? I have to make a choice. And then, you know, when she gets there, she can be the one who, who kind of saves the day, but they don't do that. They just have her kind of get a damsel in distress in this one, unfortunately. Yeah. Should we, should we talk about, should we talk about the Vulcan and Endorian conflict now? Or is it more appropriate to talk about the Romulan aspect? Because I think the Romulans tie in what we're just... It's probably better to do the Romulans here. So sure. sure. In, the, in the last episode, having not known anything except for the fact that a patron told us that the Romulans appear in this thing, I had sort of was pitching my idea of the Romulans have infiltrated the Vulcans. And that that is how the show is going to explain that some of them are bad at controlling their emotions because they're undercover Romulans who are just not sure. doing this well. Wouldn't have been a great sure. fix because no one, no one in the show actually called this out, but it would have been a way to explain why some of the Vulcans seem weird. Um, that's not the case here. And instead, the Romulans are just pulling strings in the background and you don't get a a really like the the reason I found it annoying was because I thought that my idea, well, not better, but would have at least given it a reason for the Romulans to be in the episode. And sure, here yeah. it just feels like it's like, okay, the the Romulans are there. Uh good, I guess. But they're all still Vulcan. And there's no exposing of that plot or anything like that. I just I I don't know. I, I I felt like that the the Romulan ending here was just a based on how, what people have been talking about. It, I think it gets a little bit more credit than it deserves for being something because I don't think it's anything at all, really. No, I don't think so either. It feels like a uh, um a bit of a convenient tie up. Uh, yeah, and also, like, how many episodes do we have left in the season? Probably nine. I think there's eighteen episodes nine? total. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Romulans probably don't show up again in the in the series, right? I they don't, I don't think they have a major plot in this series. No. Yeah, yeah. So it just it feels like a, a just kind of like a button for the sake of a button. And like I I agree with you. If if that was the plan to be like, oh oh shit, the Romulans have uh, infiltrated the um the Vulcans or whatever, I think that at least gives you gives you some some uh some good story. But again, but there you're hamstrung by the fact that no one's seen the fucking Vulcans. I mean the, the Romulans in the TOS yeah. stuff. So yeah. Archer can never see what a, a Romulan looks like. Yes. That, that's, so you're kind of yeah, hamstrung that's, that's by true. canon yeah. at that point. <laughs> that's true. I, I guess that I was thinking that so to tie it into the the 
Andorian thing. Like if the Romulans are doing this and they have infiltrated and taken over, I understand their plot to cause war between the various planets, right? Like that kind of makes sense. What makes less sense to me is the Romulans pulling the strings and convincing real Vulcans of this danger. You know what I mean? Like if there was, yeah. if 50% of them were Romulans, I'd say, oh, they have just the, they have the majority to do what they want in this culture. And that's why their government acts this way. But instead they rely on, I'm assuming Vlas, T. Vlas, or whatever this guy's name is, is a Vulcan. I don't understand why he goes along with it to the extent that he does when a infiltration it must be the fact of what you're talking about that they can't actually see romulans so they can't have them actually move into those positions on the board and take power even though i think that's just a better way to explain everything that's happened in these seasons well i think you're also (laughs) given what they say in that scene too i think you're you're a little bit in a in a bit of a pickle narratively because what the romulan guy says is he ma- he makes a reference to reunification. Yes. And the Romulans and the Vulcans was part of that plan starting a war with Andoria? Was that going to Don't know how you like, gain I don't know how you gain that yeah, advantage. Was the yeah. idea yeah. if we start a war with Andoria then the Romulans come in and save the day or something and then they're <laughs> like, "Hey, the Romulans aren't so bad. Maybe we should reunify with them or something." Yeah. Like it's 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 there's no he just kind of shows up and drops a buzzword. It's like, "Oh, Oh, that Leonardo DiCaprio gif. He's doing the thing. <laughs> I know that from Star Trek Discovery. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. I just, I guess the the third leg of my, like, I, I completely agree with that. I, I don't think that their goal for reunification is never anything more than a buzzword because they've said it in prior series. Yeah. So it's like this is a also, Romulan goal. I would like to pat myself on the back. I know Star Trek stuff. I know what unification, reunification is. Absolutely. I, I can pull this stuff out of the hat. I almost won that quiz we did. Does, <laughs> if only there had been more questions about season four of Enterprise. Yes. Final, final leg of my three-legged stool upon which they should have set this uh, trilogy. Mm-hmm. At least the Vulcans, if like this does not happen in the episode. This is complete speculation, but it's just whatever. If the Romulans infiltrate, right? The Command Council of Vulcan are Romulans. If you kidnap, as you were saying, to pow, there is a Romulan argument versus the Vulcan argument, which is actually something to talk about because no series has ever talked about why the Romulans rejected Surak. Sure, like, sure. There's so much to do there. There's so much of a disagreement about why clearly the Vulcans and the Romulans don't like each other but do love each other as family. They like they truly feel like a family in some sense because they disagree, but they kind of always want to try to reunify with each other. Yeah. It, it just would have given something to do. Just give them some argument to have. And I feel that the Romulan and Vulcan disagreement is something that some series could easily take advantage of. I feel like that's like fertile ground for some kind of season of Star Trek to explore. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised no one's ever done it. Because, I mean, there's been a lot of Star Trek. There's been a lot of it, yeah. And, I mean, you could have done it in Discovery, but they obviously didn't. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's really... You know who... A Strange New World could do it. They're the only people in the position where they could do it. They could do it. Wait, no, they can't do it either because they don't know what... Unless unless you had an episode... Yeah, you can't really do it because they oh, don't right. know they what Romulans They haven't seen like. the Romulans yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, okay. Well, I, I guess that's gone. It's up to you, Prodigy. <laughs> oh, the one other thing I wanted to mention before we, we jump off the Vulcan thing. Did you notice that the guy 
the priest that they brought in to to pull Sirach out of Archer's head looked exactly like Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> he's also was that supposed to was that supposed to be like them being like now they're normal Vul- Vulcans because we get the one that looks like Nimoy Luke here Nixley, doing, the, <laughs> doing the priest stuff. I was concerned because it feels like you're putting the soul of Surak into somebody like a Supreme Court justice in the U.S. You want someone young who's going to be there for a yeah, while. That no, guy. That, that guy. guy was, yes. Make sure someone's no, always he around that he like, can mind. <laughs> he looked like Star Trek 2009 Leonard Nimoy, in which unfortunately was close to the end. No, he's always going to need a, a buddy system so that when he starts to croak, he can just reach out and give Sorak to somebody else and move on. Uh, last thing about this episode, Vulcan and Andorian are... Sorry. Go ahead. One other thing. How did it not end up in Tapau? I don't know. What's know. the point would, of her? What is she sense. doing there? If that's not what, what it ends up with. She's right? a canon like, continuity connection. Yeah. Why not put it in her? It makes the perfect sense. I mean, she. if you want to get mythological about it, she tried it once. It didn't work because she wasn't ready or some shit. Yep. And now that she's completed her journey, now she's ready to take on the power and the mantle of uh, leader of the Serenites <laughs> and the Vulcan people. Not, <laughs> not the guy you hired from the celebrity impersonator story. <laughs> The soul when do they change it to? When do they change it to live long and prosper? Instead of uh, peace and long life, or whatever they say all the yeah. time. I don't know. I know. I know that once early they TNG, once they once they open their first casino, then it becomes live long and prosper. <laughs> early TNG, I think, is the first time. Maybe they do it in TOS where. I like the call and response aspect of it where someone says live long and prosper and the second person says peace and long life. I, I like that sort of oh, like there's yeah. a difference between yeah. the two of them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where it... As-salamu alaykum. Alaykum salam. <laughs> About shalom. Um, Andorian's Vulcans. Yeah. This is apparently the end of the arc for that. Um, I don't have a lot to say about it. It doesn't feel super significant to me. Uh, Shran is good in this. Combs is always very yeah, good. Yeah, he's great. Uh, talking, about, of, talking about actors carrying things. Yeah. Jeffrey Combs carrying this entire episode. <laughs> he, he was. Getting getting a lot of Theon Greyjoy torture scene energy off of this torture sure. scene, though, because I'm sure, not sure yeah. what this accomplishes for anybody. This is not a... Garrick tortures Odo in DS9 sequence where Garrick is trying to prove his loyalty. Odo is trying to hide a secret and Garrick eventually cracks Odo and get and learns something about Odo. Mm-hmm. No one learns anything about each other in this. It's just he torches right. him for a little bit and then he's like, all right, just let him go. We'll get the hell out of here and see what goes on. Is that not just an allegorical comment on the nature of enhanced interrogation during <laughs> I, the Iraq I, War? I suppose. I wish they had in something the end, to say. In the end, what does it really bring but just pain, no actual act, actionable information? Just pour that emotional water all over his face. Yeah, I, I just don't. <laughs> I don't. I, I guess it's supposed to show that Shran and the Vulcans are getting along. Like it's, it's supposed to be a microcosm of the Endorians and Vulcans to learn to live with each other or something. But yeah, you, he, didn't, he didn't crack Soval and Soval didn't beat Shran. Really, like he, right. th- th- no gamesmanship was accomplished there. I just thought it was kind of a weak sequence, and then the Enterprise fighting the fleet never is like whatever. I just you know th- who cares about this stuff at that point. Yeah, I thought Trip was good. I think Trip has good. been the the underdog and or not the underdog, but the dark horse in these three episodes of really 
pulling pulling weight and uh, doing some good stuff. I thought he's him him in command is very convincing. I Learning to be a captain. He used to be scared of being the captain in previous seasons. Yeah, he, that was yeah. But now he's he settled in character his own. development. Yeah. Um, the the only thing I have to say about the Vulcan and, and enduring things, I feel like they've ended that like four times. Well, I feel uh, like as every they say, episode they had a peace treaty a year ago. They had a peace treaty. Yeah, in the last one. Yeah. Every episode they do with these two now, it ends with, well, at least we don't have to fight anymore. And then the next <laughs> one, it's someone starting the fighting again. But I mean, hey, I guess that's like real life to an extent. The Syrenites Cyr- the Cyr- the are in control now. There's no more war with Andoria. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. We'll shut down the NSA, which is Pajem. Uh, we'll let Earth do what it wants to do. We embrace logic. I don't have anything else to say, so let's wrap it up. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the show today. We finished... The Vulcan Cyrenite arc. It's called Kirshara. is the name of the episode. If you enjoyed the content, patreon.com slash the Penske Files is the place to go. A couple dollars a month to get extra stuff. We have a whole bunch of stuff coming out this month, including some Halloween specials. We got the fly. Uh, there's the Friday the 13th part 10. Is it 10? Jason X. Jason X, yeah. Which <laughs> Jason is X. 10. But it's also extreme because it's like 2001, I think, when this comes out. Get your Red Bull ready. Uh, control your heartbeat like a Vulcan and don't have a heart attack with cocaine, liquid cocaine in a can. Uh, that's it. There's a whole bunch of podcasts. There's like 100 plus. Someone on Twitter asked me, what other shows do you have on Patreon? I'm interested in the Tombstone. And I couldn't fill the Twitter box. There were too many characters to say. So no way, just, baby. No way. Just you go know, there and check it un- out. unfortunately, I think the one downfall to our Patreon episodes is they are not easily... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it, it's it's more difficult than just going like, oh, we have Rotten Horror Picture Show Patreon episodes or Badass Patreon episodes because sure. a, a lot of them are just random movies and shit. Yeah, they're it's which random is, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a grab bag of 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 uh, fun I, stuff. You can you can say it's probably sixty percent sci-fi, maybe. And yeah, thirty yeah, percent horror, and then some other stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So, if you're interested in sci-fi, but there's also westerns. We did Unforgiven and Tombstone and stuff. So there's a whole bunch. I, of stuff. We've done so many. I have legitimately forgot about thirty percent of the things we've done just on Patreon. Yeah, I forgot we did Source Code on there. Remember, I was looking at the other yeah. list of stuff. There's a whole bunch. of I stuff. I forgot you said Unforgiven until we did Unforgiven until you just said it. Yep. And in my head, I was like, Why the fuck did we do Unforgiven? <laughs> It's all out there. Enjoy patreon.com slash thepenskabell. And as always, our Captain Tier supporters get a special thank you. So I say special thank you to Samuel Custer, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Andrew Cherlog, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Christian Pouch, Bradlin Howells, Michael Pond, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergey, Graham Santo, Sean, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Darth Mosk, Vault 13 Hero, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Russell Elledge, Stephen Minton, AJ28, Nick the Rat, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jake123, Point Extra G, Patrick Seba, Dave Davies, John Franceski, Captain Brazen, Eric Antoine, Jake Keys, Gamer, Kevin Lowry, William Scheisler, Rayhan Jaffer, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Olivier Pardieu, Dizbrada, Edmark Star, Retail, Grapple John Zorn, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunter, ZWNF Remixes, Captain McMunchausen, James McLennan, Beal Jonas, Tommy Tango, Two Vicks Must Die, Chris McLaughlin, and Mutilated Puppet. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting the show. Patreon comments now. If you're at the $5 and up tier, you can leave thoughts about upcoming Star Trek episodes. We read them. Let's go. There's nine of them. Matt Ross says, Kirshara, the ending more than anything else makes this entire arc make no sense in that the chaos is being made by the Romulans to destroy Vulcan to reunite with them. 
The best part is seeing Shran Crew chew the scenery and interact with Soval, and as always, Combs dominates every scene he's in on the Enterprise. With the Enterprise getting its ass kicked yet again and the sudden realization of who the evil people are and yet again Archer selling the truth, I feel we're seeing the Zindi arc all over. Funniest line to me is Tucker saying that Vulcans will have to get them, get through them first to get to the Andorians. Are you serious? Three deja vus out of five. Yeah, Thomas Darnell. I... I did really like I did like Trip's positioning, although I do think it was a bit of a bluff because Oh yeah. <laughs> he's like he's like, okay, it makes sense. All right, well, if they want to get the endurance, they have to go through us. If they go through us, then that's going to start a war with Earth. I'm like, okay, that's good positioning because Vulcans are, are allies. They don't want to get into a war with Earth. But then I was like, how many ships does Earth have? Like two? Yeah, they're, they're, I think they were building the second one, right? That's yeah, been they've like got some, one yeah. other NX class ship, yep. and that's it. Unless they send like 1,500 uh, from Cochrane dicks after them. <laughs> I could see that. Just do uh, have Worf yell ramming speed and then prepare to just crash into everything. That's I don't I don't know if there's that many uh, eight track versions of Magic Carpet Ride left to power that many ships. <laughs> Thomas Darnell says Kishara, so it's off to Andoria. Shran. Also, there's Romulans. I guess. I don't think everything gets tied up in the neat bow they think it does, but I like I get to split my time between Vulcan and Endorian ships with Soval on board and six Semper Tyrannus Vlas. Five out of five. Kyle Barrett okay. says, wow. Kishara, I cannot recognize the rhythm. He's written a song or something here. You're going to have to tell me. Maybe this is just his pop culture okay. that slipped me by. Who's been inciting war with Andoria? It's been the Romulans all along. Who's been turning Vulcans into Vulcans? It's been the Romulans all along. Oh, it's uh, Agatha all along from WandaVision. Okay. <laughs> there you go. And they killed Admiral Forrest too. Five out of five. Wow. Okay. So I, I botched the... He botched the score there, but I botched the song. Mate <laughs> 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 Librarian says, Kishara... One of, those, one of those closer to objectively true than the other. <laughs> <laughs> Kishara says, uh, Kishara from Latte Librarian. Trip makes a better and more compelling captain than Archer. I said what I said. Four mystical holograms out of five. Grappler John Zorn. How macho is Archer in this episode? Archer is so macho in this episode that when Tapao asks if he has anything metallic, he whips out his dragon hilted wyvern fantasy <laughs> dagger that he bought at the LARP table outside the local I- gun show. <laughs> I would so I had my head down when that scene happened, and so I rewound it, and I assumed he was going to pull like a tricorder out or something. I was not expecting the uh, late night home shopping network dragon knife special. I just that famous YouTube clip, just banging the dagger on the table. Oh, he's got his own. Good. He's got his own YouTube channel of him just cutting watermelons with it. Bacula moves and talks like he just doused his crotch in X body spray and thinks that's a good thing. Coincidentally, if you arrange the letters in Administrator of Last, you get Dick Cheney's stunt double, a two, I guess, and a pat on the head for trying. Royo says, Kishara, what a huge difference Tucker is from the Zindi arc to this episode where he's not portrayed as an incompetent boob or blabbing his personal disagreements in front of the rest of the crew or ruthlessly condemning the people who just saved the ship. It's almost out of character for Tucker to be a professional. He hasn't set fire to engineering or blown up the warp core once this trilogy. In hindsight, it's interesting how far into the franchise we ended up knowing more 
It's interesting how this far into the franchise, we ended up knowing more about the Romulans and of Romulan society that we do than we do of Vulcan society and how distinct both cultures are. That said, my criticism of the trilogy is that it's rather silly that bringing the Vulcan Ten Commandments to the Capitol shouldn't really wrap everything up with a neat bow. It was, however, an interesting movie move to solve the out-of-character Vulcans of Enterprise by implying they'd been puppets of a Romulan plot and thus were more Romulan-like. Four out of five. Yeah, shouldn't the more logical Vulcans be like, actually, we should not cross church and state, so it should be illegal for those for that spiky thing to actually be <laughs> displayed inside the Capitol. They should throw that spiky thing in the Boston Harbor. Yeah. Get rid of it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I think we brought up points that actually uh, are why we would disagree with Royo's comments about it, or at least why I would disagree about the uh, this being some sort of salvation for the Enterprise Vulcans. Point X to G says, Kishara, before we take our rightful place in the galaxy, we're going to have to fix everyone else's problems. This may be the best that Soval has ever come across, although with Velas being totally crazy, it would make anyone seem rational. It's a pretty solidly put together story, but I'm not exactly sure what it tells us about the Vulcans. The Romulan reveal at the end really takes a lot out of this, and Velas either being Romulan or at the very least a Romulan agent changes his motivations after the fact, and I don't think that it adds anything to the story. Correct. Yarpy. Yarpy says, I really like this three-parter. If they'd shown Vlast to be a Romulan or Romulan agent earlier, it would have put the whole three-parter into a very different light in his characterization as well. I think this three-parter really shows what the show could have been capable of if it looked like this from much earlier, or it would have gone to run the full seven seasons. Uh, Four IOUs out of five for Andorians. Yeah, I do think if they had done the Romulan thing earlier, it probably would have... It might have set them on a clearer path at the very least, but it yeah. would have been more interesting, and it wouldn't just feel like a fan servicey button at the end. Yeah, it's like you're saying. I, I honestly, uh, Canon just doesn't sit forefront of my mind, and I, I really watch this not realizing that oh, they can't meet Romulans. Like that's it's a problem yeah. if they run into them, which is really, uh, in retrospect, frustrating. Sort of like I, yeah. it's almost like don't even bother. So then. the thing, the thing is though, like. We can meet Romulans. The right. people in the show can't. Correct. So you can reveal that they are Romulans and have them do the things that they're doing under the guise of everybody thinks that they're Vulcans. Oops, and they're sorry. having... <laughs> I'm still here. My take was too hot. My take was too hot. <laughs> Wes's <laughs> camera just went on. <laughs> Let me do, do, do camera. Go. Can I not use another camera? Hold on a second. I'll just keep talking. Yeah, just keep talking. Um, yeah, so like you could you could reveal that they're Romulans and have them do Romulan stuff and have that influence the story that's being told yeah. without anybody else learning that they are Romulans. So it's it's you can find you can figure out a way to do it. It's just it might take a little bit of create creative backflipping that hopefully doesn't yeah. feel ton- too convoluted, but I think it would feel less convoluted than just plugging them in at the end and and being like, "Up, oh, it's actually we these guys I'd agree. I, I think it's probably a factor of you can do that, but the implications for down the line canon issues, like if there had been a Romulan infiltration of the Vulcans, you are kind of setting the show up to be like, well, how did they resolve that? Because that clearly gets fixed in the future somehow. And you'd have to do it without Archer being aware of how it happens, which is right. not a, it's something you'd have to think about. Last comment. I am. Go ahead. I, I would like to say I'm disappointed we don't have 
ready for this situation one of those goofy like technical difficulties signs i know that we can plug into your side of the thing with like a drunk cameraman or something (laughs) why can riverside not let me change cameras while recording that doesn't make any sense anyway we're almost at the end brandon howell says kishara it's nice to see trip being competent for a change archer has saved earth and vulcan as well i want to like this episode more than i do but it would be a lot worse without shran romulans in the shadows reminds me of future guy for archers this is a knife out of five Thank you, patrons, for your comments and supporting the show. We appreciate you greatly. All right. Let's see here. We're just going to give our ratings. Do you want to go first? Do you want to go second here? To recap, um, I think I, what did I, I gave the, the other one a two. You gave it a three. I think you liked the first one, maybe, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, sure. I think that's right. Uh, I will give Trip a four because I thought he was great in this episode. Sure. Uh, I think I'm going to go three. Okay. I don't know if it's, I don't know. It just, I think it's, again, I think it's, we're in a tough spot where they're all very competently made and, and perfectly fine, but it's when you kind of like pull the lid off, you realize, uh, so I, what, what are you going to do Two? Uh, no, I'm going to give this one a three. I think the middle oh, episode okay. was the worst one out of all of them. Yeah. This one feels just fine. Like it's I it is tough because I, I, I think that it has it definitely has problems in the way that I would want to knock it down to a two, but I think that like it's strangely only problems that have been with Enterprise from the start, so it's not like it's unique to this like to this plot line of Vulcans. Like they, they didn't they didn't chance anything. So I don't think that they really even screwed anything up in terms of what the series is saying about Vulcans. I'll give it a three, but it's a week three. Um, I yeah, like the augments yeah. arc better than this Vulcan arc. I'll say it again. I think it just, it was more interesting to me. Yeah, I would agree. I think, like I said, this is a box ticking episode, but that being said, they tick the boxes, right? Yeah, like yeah. everything they have to do to finish the story, they do. Whether or not it's the most satisfying way to do it is up for debate. But I don't think there's anything really inherently wrong with the structure of it or like the actual events that take place. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just think it's a little underwhelming. I, w- I was more engaged by this epi- episode than the second one. I was pretty bored by the second episode. And this one, at least, like, I felt like, you know, I, I was watching something that was something was going to mm. be happening. I. I think I might be actually be the opposite. I think I was less less engaged by this one than the last oh. one, just because, it, like, like it was like I could just see the checklist. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't just didn't do anything that was interesting aside from a couple good performances and whatever they were doing with Trip. But it, it just, I don't know, it just felt really, uh, really safe and yeah. down the middle to me. Yeah. All right, that's it. We'll both give it a three for Kirshara. That's the end of the Vulcan Serenite trilogy. We'll be on to the next episode, which I think is just a standalone, interestingly. It's Daedalus. That's how you pronounce that. It's like the Discovery episode, the uh, the Greek character. I think it's Daedalus. Oh, it's not, it's not a pun. It's not D-A-T-A-L-E-S. Daedalus. No, it's not, it's not some Noonien Soong reappearance. Um, mm. So we'll be back with that episode. Thank you very much for supporting the show, everybody. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. Thank you for listening. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Uh, thank you for listening to the Badass Podcast. We are probably done by this point when this yes. comes out, if I had to guess. Yep. We have finished Batman the Animated Series as it stands, and uh, we'll be moving on to 
take a take a little bit of a break and then move on to Batman Beyond after that. Um, and Rotten Horror Picture Show keeps trucking along, and Amanda and I are covering Friday the Thirteenth on Patreon. We are into November at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. So that means last month with Wes, we did Jason X, as we mentioned before, and we will be doing Freddy versus Jason in November, which I'm very excited to talk about. Sounds good. Everyone's got... Let me see if the camera comes back. I turned it back on. It, it overheated. That's the problem with this camera. Oh. But no, it's still missing. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you, everybody, for supporting. Thank you for listening to everything on the Patreon. And uh, I guess that's it. Enjoy all the Halloween content that'll be on the Patreon this month. I don't think I have anything else. Daedalus is the next episode to go. So we're ready for that. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you later.